0: Let's speak to David Shoebridge. Morning, David. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, morning, Marcus. Um, I think, like many, glad that the local government election is finally over. It was an 18-month-long campaign, and... uh people
0: are very glad it's done. Well, uh, look, you and other local government MPs, I follow you all on social just to see what you're up to, and uh, so many of you and your federal New South Wales <coughs> MPs were out on the hustings over the weekend handing out those cards and speaking to people, all the rest of it. It's a good opportunity I think as well for <coughs> for, for state and even federal MPs, to be honest. Um, I noticed that Anthony Albanese <coughs> and others were also out uh, <coughs> over the weekend. It's a good opportunity for for, for a, you know, MPs at a state and federal level to to mix it up as well and, and find out what people are, are asking.
1: Yeah, and not just on the day. Like I was literally, you know, uh, travelling all around, big loop around Sydney on the day. Um, yeah. Um, but but the but but it's not just that on the day. In the lead up to the council campaign, mm. getting out there with council candidates, finding out what the those are on the ground, I find that amazingly important. And you know, if there were there were some pretty consistent concerns that were raised with me throughout that campaign. Affordable housing—it's not just a Sydney issue; it's a statewide issue. Yes, um, it's an absolute disaster, particularly for young people, but not just for young people. People on ordinary wages having trouble getting finding homes. They want councils to find some land. They want councils to work with community housing providers, um, as well as you know the usual issues about concerns about massive overdevelopment and wanting to ensure you have a clean council and. Uh, we we had a good day on the weekend for the greens we increased our council representation we've got a, at least 67 councillors we've hopefully got more as the counting progresses that's a lot Dave. <clears throat> that's a lot yeah well yeah we're very happy with it and you know we broke onto new councils like yes council mm-hmm. increased our representation in places like kaiama um and um, and we outpolled labor in the inner west so um that was always it's always a big tussle between the greens and the inner west there and i just hope At this council term, we can find a way of collaborating on those councils across the state for the good of residents. And uh, it's a short council term, uh, less than three years. And uh, people really just need to get on uh, as best they can uh, putting whatever political differences they have aside, and um, use these three years to deliver for ratepayers. There is so much to do, Marcus. All
0: right. Uh, look, you, you mentioned here, and you're right. Um, Greens breaking new ground with councils elected uh, in places like Yass, Wagga, Bayside, Burwood, City of Sydney, Lane Cove, Mid Coast, Kempsey, Port Macquarie, Coffs Harbour and the inner city as well why is it that so many people one thing i did notice when i went and filled in my ballot over the weekend the number of independents as well as greens but just putting that aside for a moment why are there so many independents running for local council
1: well there's always been a tradition of independence on local councils in in much of regional new south wales the okay. national party refuses to endorse okay um and so you basically have nationals running as independents right. um and they've you know they've card-carrying members of the National Party and, uh, and same for you know, some Labor and, and Liberal members in regional New South Wales, the Greens always say, look, we think people should be up front. If you're a Green, run as a Green, and we always sure. run as Greens. Um, but, but I think there's also this view that there's, there's no place for politics on a local council. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> come on. Yeah, well, that, that's right. we, I, don't, I don't sign on to that um, argument. There is a huge amount of politics at a local level. And I, I, think, I think it's best if it's sort of up front and, um, and people are very clear about what their politics are. But look, there, there is a place, definitely, um, for independents who aren't a member of any political party to, um, to be running and campaigning for local government. My view is local mm-hmm. councils um, should, as best as possible, be peaked picking people with good, deep connections in their local community. Absolutely. If you've you've got, you know, if you're super active in the local cricket association and you're working in the local community garden, you're connected to your local PNC, um, then that should be enough to get you elected to council if, if you want to contribute that way as well. And it doesn't have to go through a political party.
0: All right. uh, Look, it got a little nasty in some areas, including um, out there in Sydney's west. Police were called to a polling booth at a school in Maryland at around five o'clock after Cumberland City Council Mayor Steve Christo uh, was allegedly assaulted. Video taken at the scene shows a man in shorts pushing the mayor who's seen dressed in an orange shirt. Um, You know, it almost came to blows. A 29-year-old was arrested over this. So it does get a little willing out there on the local
1: government hustings. Yeah, and there's no place for that. I mean, no. it's just outrageous. Um, there, there was another incident, you know, in, uh, in Randwick, indeed, where oh, wow. um, uh, police were called because of threats that were made um, um, against some of the um, people just trying to do their bit on the day uh, and be part of democracy. Like, there's, there's no place at all for that. And, and in fact, you know, um, equally, even more disturbing was um, on Saturday night a, a friend of mine who's a political activist, um, a bloke called Paddy Gibson,
0: Oh, yes, um, yes. Hello, yeah, Patty. he
1: had three skinheads turn up at his house <laughs> and, um, you know, wearing Eureka flags, calling for him and threatening him. They tore, the, tore, tore um, ripped up the front of his house and, and he had to call police. Good. I mean, the the idea, political violence has to be a red zone in, in Australia. Any, mm. any moves towards political violence have to be absolutely condemned and stamped out. I don't think we're getting that kind of leadership, to be honest, from... Um, um, from some people in politics, but I want to make it clear: that's an absolute red line, no go zone. Doesn't matter if it's a Liberal, Labor, Green, Independent. Um, no, no threats of political violence uh, are ever acceptable.
0: Yeah, no, I agree entirely. And I didn't know about that. <laughs> Did that make the news? That
1: story? Or? Yeah, I think it's in the Guardian. Oh, okay. well, um, Covered in the Guardian. All right. And um, yeah, and you know, coming to someone's home, I mean, it's just, um, just absolutely outrageous. And and there is, you know, I think there are. There are parts of the far right who feel empowered mm. after what's happened over the last few years, and, mm. and and we need a zero tolerance for that kind of stuff. Uh,
0: absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's get into why I care, shall we? Uh, the annual report <laughs> and finances have been published in the last few days, and uh, it seems that no lessons have been learnt. You and I have been going on about this for well and truly over a year. Um, When um, they kicked the old mob out, they brought in the new mob, um, we were told that they were going to cut costs and stop the waste. But it appears that that's not the case. Now, the latest reports show that ICARE signed at least 57 consultancy contracts last financial year at a cost of over $11 million. So, in other words, they've doubled their spending on consultants in the last year. This, of course... Uh, in the face of an independent review that said they were already spending too much.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, this, this organization seems completely out of control. And remember, every dollar, every one of those $11 million was money that was meant to be set aside to help injured workers. And instead, it's gone to the likes of Coopers or Deloitte's or, you know, one of these consulting companies that just seems to sit off government and just suck public money down. And, um, 57 consultancy contracts in just one year. They're <laughs> signing more than one a week. Yeah. And, and then they were told, unambiguously, they were told they were already um, far too reliant on, on consultancy contracts, putting out far too much of their core work to consultancy, consultancy contracts. And what did they do? They doubled the spend. I mean, and, and this all happened, let's be clear. This all happened last financial year. So this is up to the, um, the 30th of June, last financial year. This was all when, now Premier Dominic Perrottet was the minister responsible. I mean, he commissioned the review and then he let them go ahead and completely ignore it. It's just, we're gonna have a further hearing with care executives later this, this month.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I can tell you now, I was actually talking with Daniel Mookie um, on the weekend. I mean, he's from Labor, I'm from the Greens. We, you know, yes, we, yes. we're different political parties, but we're, we're on a combined project here to, mm. to do what we can to hold these, these, these executives to account who seem to think that money set aside for injured workers can be just put wherever they want. Well, I hope that they're going to have a, a pretty, you know, abrupt lesson when we get them before us in a parliamentary inquiry.
0: One curly one before I let you go, David. Uh, yep. Over the weekend, there was press about the, uh, the former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian, uh, apparently uh, being parachuted into the seat of Warringah. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think that that is political arrogance of the first order, from, okay. from, from politicians. I mean, still awaiting the outcome from ICAC. Um, I, you know, I'm on record as saying I'm deeply troubled by her behaviour in relation to public money, treating public money like it's, uh, you know, her personal political plaything. Uh, and not just a little bit of it, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, mm-hmm. um, very real concerns about whether or not um, she's a politician who can recognise a conflict of interest when it's, when it's staring in the face. And, and 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 even before the report's written, already been rehabilitated by the by the Liberal Party, as though nothing happened. I mean, I, I know we're well, in the, from age the prime minister news
0: down, cycle. really, to be honest. Yeah. Considering I, what was said in Federal Parliament <laughs> in the last couple of
1: weeks. Yeah, I know. I know we're in a twenty four hour news cycle. You know, when news moves on and we can mm. turn through to the next thing, as though the past didn't happen. But the past is important. People's political history is important, and due process is important. So. Um, I mean, I find it astounding that they're doing this before ICAC has even um, um, delivered its report. I just, it, it is political arrogance of the first order. All right. Good to have you on. Thank you, mate. We'll
0: talk next week.
1: Cheers, mate.
0: All right, David Shoebridge on the program, talking New South Wales politics. Yes, well, senior Liberals across the federal and New South Wales branches of the party say the chances of former Premier Gladys Berejiklian standing in Warringah have grown after nominations for the seat were late until January the 14th. A couple of weeks ago, it was a no-go, but now the door is ajar, we're told, as Gladys Berejiklian considers running in Warringah.